Quality Custom FileMaker Development and Consulting. Home of the X-Files, including XBiz Tracker 2.0, a completely free and unlocked jumpstart solution based on best practices. Free FileMaker tips and tricks, demo files, and white papers. Go to Excelisys.com, E-X-C-E-L-I-S-Y-S.com. Welcome to FileMaker Talk. This is Matt Navarre. With Matt Petrowski. Hey, long time no chat. Hey, it has been a while. Well, I've been traveling. Yeah, I, uh, I've i heard about that. When are you not traveling? Um, I think the really hot part of the year we're going to not travel. So July and August, and then we're back on the road for the fall, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but this lifestyle seems to be working out for it's you. It's pretty the, uh, good. Travel and program work with a wireless card. Yeah, that's what I do. I've got a, the AT&T card. I kind of wish I would have got the Verizon card. Or actually, Sprint now has a WiMAX card. Uh, so in Portland, where we have WiMAX coverage, you get you know 7 megabit uh, internet all throughout the city. And then if you go to... It's it's a 4G card, so it scales from 4G, which is they're calling WiMAX, down to 3G if you're on the Sprint 3G network, down to 2G, which is useful for slow web surfing and email and nothing else. Um, the, with most of the country. Unfortunately, the 3G network, none of them are really in the places we like to go. Uh, backwoods, Montana type places. And I heard about that on one of the other podcasts. You talked about the difference of yeah, what you were using. We did talk about them with uh, one of the other guests. Very cool. Well, I'm, I'm ho- homebound. I've got, uh, I've got two kids plus a zero coming up to Three. Yep. Yep. Congrats on that, by the way. No problem. Thanks. It was easy on my part. (laughs) (laughs) My dad always joked about that, too. He got the fun part. (laughs) So what do we have for news? Well, one one big thing is Bento for the iPhone. I saw that, but I have not downloaded it. I have not even opened or downloaded Bento. I downloaded and played with Bento 1 a lot, and I got a demo version of Bento 2. I personally think that FileMaker FBA should give their FBA members a copy of Bento rather than having to buy it for 50 bucks. But on the other hand, for 50 bucks, I would probably just buy it and play with it. And, you know, it's worth knowing about to see what things FileMaker might borrow and put into the software. But I, don't, I just think they should give it to you. So well, my question is, is there a migration where you can go from like, okay, I've got my data in Bento. Do they have a push to FileMaker or something? Uh, there is a, an import now in FileMaker 10 where you can import data from Bento. Gotcha. But some of the Bento data sources, and actually one of the really cool features of Bento is it can dynamically see like your address book. Um, I kind of see it eventually migrating to be a database uh, to give you more information to control many of the things already in the Mac and allow extra fields for them. So if right now you get control of address book, so you can add fields to address book, and those additional fields you can give reports on and different layouts and graphics and stuff like that. Um, And those are things available to you while you're in Bento. But then if you go to the address book and you add a new card, that is automatically in Bento as well. And then also, that automatically syncs to Bento on your iPhone. But this is nothing like, uh, what's the, uh, Stephen Knight's got the FM Touch. No, this, this is, is a nothing. totally different thing. This, this is not a database that you can um, build, like, your custom forms and stuff like that. So they give you, like, 50 templates, and you can use them. Some of them use live data, like the address book. And then some of them um, 
you can build your own things like a menu uh, or a like a recipe database. And there is no recipe database as part of OS X. So that's basically you're building your own set of your own stack of data using the Bento application. Gotcha. And then you can do some customization of what that thing is on the Bento for Mac. But I think on the Bento for the iPhone, you basically just turn on and off some of the 50 different databases that come with it. And then if you say, "Oh yeah, I, I use a, I'll use a, um, you know, a workout log or something like that," then that database is now on your menu when you launch Bento, and it launches pretty fast. And the databases I played with seemed pretty cool. Um, a little buggy in the very first version; it kind of it quits a lot. Hmm. Five bucks, so you know that's a. You don't really think about a five dollar application much. You just buy it if you think you might have some use for it. Yeah, that whole business model has just blown me away. It's I remember when I was a kid, and the whole idea was if I could have a $1 from a million people, and you never really think that it's going to happen, but the I, the, <laughs> the iPhone app store, that's what it is. <laughs> totally people are like, uh, you know, I've got access to a global market. I have access to well over a million people, so all I need is a dollar from each of them. That's right, and there's that story of, you know, kids writing a game, putting it on the iPhone store, and making a million dollars a month <laughs> in sales. Oh, I can't wait for my kids to grow up if they want to do programming. Do you know. remember that thing called, um, it was a uh, million dollar, I don't know, it was the first time that anybody had done those pixel ads, you know, where they get a block that's like, say, uh, 800 by 800, and then they sell by the pixel. There was the first kid that did like... I do a remember that. ...website out there that's like a $100 million yes. something, and it's super popular. You can find it on Wikipedia now yeah. or whatever. Man, why was I just not that kid? I know. <laughs> that, oh, yeah. You know, the technology's already there. He probably pulled it from open source, and then, yeah, okay, a million dollars later. <laughs> I know. So I haven't played with Bento enough yet to give it a full review. I really wanted to take a look at the features, the synchronization features between desktop and iPhone version. Um, But it seems pretty cool. Also in the news is Ray Cullen came out with a new uh, bunch of sample files, 10 for 10. Yes, there uh, hadn't been a whole lot of other pieces of news, but Ray, following his uh, standard format, going back to FileMaker 6, where he had 6 for 6, 7 for 7, 8 for 8, 9 for 9, 10 for 10, and uh, what was that we were saying? Oh, I think we're just... they're going to change the, na- the naming scheme of FileMaker <laughs> next year. They're going to call it FileMaker 2010. <laughs> FileMaker 2011. <laughs> yeah. There you go, Ray. Do 2011 techniques. <laughs> I'm sure he's uh, thought of that joke, too. Yeah, it's convenient, but he's got some really nice, uh, there are a few uh, rehashes of um, some of his older stuff, some audit trail, but a lot of them integrate now the script triggers, and um, he's got some new ones with script triggers. In fact, I just did a video today talking about one that he has called Instant Search, which is, you know, people are using script triggers in order to automatically filter down portals and be able to show you know, a hit list of everybody who includes the word M-A-T, looking for anybody that Matt, Matthew, etc. And he's just done that in a list view, so it's very easy. I suggest anybody who wants to be able to do that in a list view, just go over there, grab the file, you'll have it. My video was basically an extension of what he had done, uh, giving users the ability to arbitrarily choose on the search form which fields they want to search, just by clicking those fields. And then be able to start typing, and it filters out. It's very slick, these uh, script triggers. Very, very cool. Yeah, that was a feature that I knew was going to increase 
quickly in usage. Script triggers. Yeah. Well, I I just can't imagine how many pitfalls people are going to fall into, though, because you want to do so many things with script triggers that, yet again, if you really don't have uh, forethought with regards to your organization, planning, and structure, oh, my gosh. I mean, once one trigger fires, then another one fires, another one fires, you can cause one to continuously fire unless you know how to get out of it by setting, uh, sometimes you have to set variables, sometimes you have to, uh, you always have to use like the exit script step with either a true or false with regards to whether you want the script to continue or not. So it's going to be a, a learning lesson for about, I'd say, a good six months, but there's going to be some great techniques coming out. For sure. To, I mean, totally. you're, to find out where they are, you're pretty much going to want to have debugger on. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. In fact, that's that was a good uh, tip. I think I heard it either that or I just I saw it. When you're in debugger, it tells you what actually what event triggered that script, which is very convenient. Yep. Plus, you can just see that. Oh, I went to a layout and a script got triggered. That explains why this thing does this. You know. Oh man, debug. Could you imagine doing debugger without? With script triggers? Oh, no. <laughs> I can actually barely ma- imagine doing any of the stuff I do with FileMaker now without debugger. Oh, yes. Definitely. In fact, I, I, I almost never even bring up the script maker window. I, and if I want to find out what script, you know, open up a script that does something, I'll just go to the layout that has the button that does the action, uh, turn debugger on, run the, run the script, and then watch debugger till it gets to the point of the script that I want to start doing my work. And then click the button to start editing the script, which puts me right at that specific location. You know, I haven't. So quite then there's no scrolling. Gotten to that point. I've done it on occasion when I'm looking at other solutions, but for my own stuff, I'm usually just in the script anyway because that's what I was focused on. But I know that that's a great way to get into the script. Yeah, that's that's my default method. I'd say at this point. Hmm. Because some of the scripts I write are really long. I write multi-purpose ones, like one single sort script that's for the entire solution. And yep. it just has, you know, it's a mile long that says, if the module is person, then these are all your fields in person. If your module is this, then these are all your fields there. Uh-oh, you know what happens when you start to do everything in custom functions and uh, as few number of scripts as possible. You know you're basically heading in a direction where you're programming in, like, you know, another language. <laughs> Something where you're just working on a long file with functions and you're jumping throughout those functions using markers and stuff like that in a regular text editor. Yep. Now, FileMaker, just give us that feature. <laughs> give us like a universal calculation dialog box and we can flip between all the things. It'd be kind of cool. And then, yeah, so some of these things hint at obvious features. For example, well, we're getting off topic, but I love the geeky part. So the new... Uh, set field by name script step that's going to be the most powerful sort of hints at some other things for example how about sort by name by field name so rather than having to have the sort script step actually remember what fields it sorts on and not be able to flexibly pass a parameter to a sort script step being able to say I want to sort and I'm going to send a parameter to the sort and have it do it and so you can have a single sort script step in your solution as opposed to hundreds of them like I have now Yep. So theoretically, you could use, you could have a single, an entire solution, you could have a single set field by name script step in one <laughs> utility script that does all of your set field work. It'd be stupid, but it's possible. Oh, there are a lot of things that you can do that are... Stupid, but possible. 
<laughs> it's but true. But it's all a learning process. Yeah. It's all... I mean, it's it's fun to look back over the years and look at where you start. And if you're listening to this and you're either just getting started with FileMaker or you're even intermediate, there is absolutely no, there should be no problem with where you're at. You shouldn't feel like, oh, I'm behind. I don't know anything about, you know, sometimes these guys talk over our heads. It is a it is totally an evolutionary process and you have to go through it. For sure. So our main topic today is a website of yours, FileMakerWorld.com, and the general topic of social collaboration. But before we get to that, there's actually two gigantic things that have happened since we last talked. Uh, one of them is actually out and playable with right now. Yep. Alpha and, and the beta. Other one is, and the yep. other one is coming, and I'm just, I just watched it last night, and I'm just like so stoked and so blown and away. And what is it? Are we going to save it? Let's save it. No, let's, let's go ahead and go on to yours. You want to do that? Yeah, let's talk about yours. All right. Mine is Wolfram Alpha. Wolfram Alpha. Which is WolframAlpha.com, brought to you by the same people who did Mathematica and some other great math software. If you haven't you know, gone there, the go to it. I watched the video at this site, yeah. and that's awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. It's not a search engine, but it functions like a search engine. It's a computational knowledge engine. Oh, they're they're definitely trying to be a search engine. Whatever people are looking for, they're giving people things that... Google is not giving people. Well, it's totally different. It, it gives you things. It, it has not a whole lot of crossover with Google. So it doesn't really have pages that exist. Everything that you type in does some math or does some sort of a calculation and gives you something. Now, you could type in something ridiculously simple like 2 plus 2 or Oregon, and then it just gives you some information about that thing. But it's actually... Like if you type in Oregon, it's giving you current information, like what's the current population. Um, and then the other really cool things that it does is it combines the data. So you can say temperature in Portland when JFK was assassinated or something like that. And it says, oh, okay, well, I know who JFK is. It's a historical figure. I know the histor- story of his life. I know the date he was assassinated. I know you're looking for a city in Portland, in Oregon, and I know the city is Portland. And I know that the date is such, and so here's the temperature for that day. Those kind of things are incredible. Oh, man. And, and then they've got little operators, I think, like you can say, you know, when compared to this date in, you know, right. Brazil or something like that. And then it throws up, like, side-by-side comparison, you know, based on that video that they showed. It's just crazy. Do they have? Did you see anything on the video about whether they had an API or something? I mean, inevitably, they've got to. That's sort of the the trend of, like, give it an API and let people build around it and use it because they want to they want you to use their you know back end source. I tried my I search by the way, it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Well I know that they um like I had put in um you know having a third kid, we're doing the name search thing and so I had put in, you know, looking for popularity because I usually I try to stay away from whatever the most popular names are. Because if you name your kid one the most popular name, it's sort of like Jennifer when I was born back in the 80s. You know, When you went to class, there were like 50,000 Jennifers. Jennifer, and they'd all raise their hands. Yeah. Or, or Matt. Matt and so yeah. We both got victimized by that one. <laughs> we, we like to pick names that are not on the uh, top 10 list. <laughs> right. That's a good idea. So Wolfram Alpha helped with that. <laughs> or is helping. You're going to name your kid Wolfram? Middle name will be Alpha? <laughs> <laughs> it didn't help in that manner. It was the search that I was using. 
So there's there's a whole bunch of lines of knowledge that the thing knows about. So it knows about people, famous people. It knows about cities and geographic around the world. It knows about dates and what happened on those dates. It knows about any kind of math expression you could type in. It knows about food. So you could type in like Big Mac and two Cokes, and it will give you the caloric content of the combination of that meal. Um, but it doesn't know, you know, so it has a limited database on, on those things and all those things. But the, ten- the combination is what's really cool. Let's see, they've got mathematics, statistics and data analysis, physics, chemistry, materials, engineering, astronomy, earth sciences, life sciences, technological world, transportation, computational sciences, web, units measure, money finance, dates, place, geography, socioeconomic data. That's what it's good for, is like when you're wanting to find out, you know... You know, how many people are there on the planet that, uh, you know, died because of whatever? Weather, health, medicine, food, nutrition, words and linguistic linguistics, yep. education, sports, games, music, colors. Man. That's true. And music was a trippy one. You can actually put in like EFG, F sharp, AB, some notes, and it will play them. <laughs> so you can like type in a melody. That one kind of cracked me up. Being a well, it's pretty cool. They've got a little thing on the, the list that I was reading from. They've got, um, if you do a search and it doesn't come up with anything, it's got these suggestions. Then it comes up with the all the examples within those subcategories of what it can do, which is always helpful because you're like, you know, if I don't know how I can search for what I might want, I don't even know that I can search for it. But if they give you these great examples, then you're like, okay, wow, this now becomes a valuable resource for data for me. So, pretty awesome. Five largest countries by area. Canada is bigger than the United States. Who knew? (laughs) I wouldn't have guessed that. I think I knew it because they've just got a lot of frozen stuff that nobody can inhabit. Yeah, well, like Russia, (laughs) which is why Russia is twice as big as the United States. Yep. So, not to be outdone, Google has something. Oh, my gosh. Oh, (laughs) if you have the time. If you've got the time. You know, I'm sort of, I have to be honest, I'm like a little bit skeptical because I'm I'm this type of person that I'm like, okay, there can't be just like one company that just like one ring to rule them all. There's not <laughs> going to be like one master company. You know, I've even had this debate with, uh, I think, somebody in the past. I'm like, there will be a day where Coke will not exist. You know, Tab went away. Do you remember Tab, the soda? It was a soda. It's not a key you hit on the keyboard. Homer Simpson like, thought different, though. <laughs> I thought it was and both. The key. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, you know, there's got to be a point, you know, look at what is happening. Something's going to happen and Microsoft is going to become less of a company and then there can't be one that's going to rule them all. Yeah, you know, well, I make the same point. One of the points I say to people is, well, what company is in existence today that was in existence 1,000 years ago? And so what? why would you think that any company would still be in business 1,000 years from now? I don't know, like GM, they've got to be around. But Google Wave? Really? GM's Wave? And, and entering bankruptcy this week, dude. <laughs> well, I mean, not, not necessarily GM, but the, the companies that provide, like, the commodity products, like, you know, everything we use. So, baby diapers, Dr. Gamble, those In the 90s, companies. I worked for a company called JWP that was a billion-dollar company that went bankrupt when I was working, you know. They, oh. they made a, a horrible decision. They bought Businessland. Remember Businessland? No. Businessland lied about their assets, or I don't know what the happened, what the deal with it. But basically, the company became a teeny tiny shadow of what it once was as a result of one gargantuan mistake. 
Well, the, yeah, we don't have a Roman Empire, so yeah, <laughs> nothing lasts forever. Yeah, forever, that's kind of that's my point. So you're right. I mean, there there may be a time in the future when companies like Microsoft and GM and whatever won't be around. Well, guess who I think is going to take over Microsoft in terms of like the collaborations space? Okay, Google's got Google Docs, which is great, but you go to wave.google.com. It's an hour and twenty minute long video that was shot at the Google Developer Conference. But this thing that they've got coming up, Wave, is just insane in terms of how they collaborate. And here's the premise. Right now, you have something to tell me. It may be something that is just, you know, it's final. You're going to tell it to me, and fine. Then, it, you, know, you know, we're never going to interact with it. The other type of stuff you're going to tell me is something that we need to work on. Well, rather than sending an email to me, and then I write and respond in line and then send that back to you, and then you send that back to me, which now we've got multiple copies. A copy on your server, a copy on my server, a copy on your client, a copy on my client. This Google Wave technology is basically the way the guy started with, how would we reinvent email if email was started today? And so basically, you start a conversation, one person does, and just like responding in line within email, any person who's added to this quote-unquote wave, which think of it in terms of content or a message, you can just insert your comment in line wherever you want, and everybody has access to it. Well, the way that they're doing is this, it's, it's full real-time with as many different participants or people that are included into this wave. Then it goes beyond this. So it's basically, it's email with in-line commenting where there's no multiple copies, where you basically can collaborate no matter where you're at. You can save duplicates of it if you want with those stripped out. It's got, they're building in full APIs behind this, so developers can access this. You can simply drag and drop and add in images. Their API allow, allows you to hook into, say, blogs. So basically, this wave that you started, and it it can be on Google's uh, site, or because it's open source, the way that they're doing it, the bulk, other companies can set up their own, like, wave server, where they can manage this content. Some of it they can lock off and make it private, some of it can be public, but because of the API, you can hook this into other websites, or any other technology that has open APIs. So you can integrate Twitter feeds, Twitter streams, they can be inbound, outbound, uh, your blog can basically hook into any given individual wave where you just click and publish this wave. And I tell you, the APIs to get stuff in and out of these things and the fact that it truly is centrally located yeah. is just going to make this insane. I can imagine that they're going to flip a switch on Gmail, and everybody who has Gmail now has Google Wave accounts, which fully integrate and spread out their tendrils into the web all over the place. Amazing. And the one thing that is amazing, it's not the software that's important. I mean, if you can get everybody to use your software, what's valuable is the information and the knowledge behind that information. Who has it? Google. Right. And if people are using the, start using this Google Wave, you know, I'm not going to make a prediction that Word documents are going to go away, other than they will sometime in the future. Right. This is going to be serious, serious competition for, for Microsoft and collaboration and 
Oh, it's just mind blowing. You got to watch the video. It's really. It sounds like the way you're describing it is. It's. It's basically a next, not a small leap, but the next huge leap in both in, in a combination of two technologies: Google Docs and email. Google Docs, email integration with web services, integration with your website, but the social aspects. It, it hooks into everything. It's it's crazy. I haven't watched the video yet. Um, of course, the real magic is going to be making it easy and useful, you know, which Google's well, great at. I mean, they've done that so well with so many other things. And it is a long video. I mean, you have to tell yourself, okay, I'm, you know, I'm going to watch a video from a developer conference. But hey, I'm a I developer. Know. Well, That's why I'm you know, I usually excited. <laughs> I watch the well, it's, you know, movies are that long. I watch uh, a lot of the um, keynotes from MacWorld and stuff like that. Those are usually an hour plus. The Wolfram video, I think, is less than twenty minutes. Yeah, they did good on that. Really concise. This is definitely they Long. they introed it at a developer conference, and they just decided to use that video as the promo for it. Right, and there may be something new out by the time this episode is online. So, yeah, it's just I I I can't even think of what's going to be happening in the next two years. At the end of two years, if I had to guess, I would say they're going to switch everybody or you know make that offer. Because you know how Google does it. You're using their service, and then all of a sudden they come in and they say, we've got the new version. Would you like to switch? And it's basically just click a link, and it goes from the old version of Gmail to the new version of Gmail. Right. And so they're really good at just basically doing this very slow migration. You can keep using the old stuff if you're you know comfortable with it, but we've got this new stuff. And you switch, you get comfortable, and then you're using it. And it's, wow, I'm just blown away. I Plus can't really tell how you feel about this. It doesn't <laughs> seem like you think it's a big deal or anything. Plus the fact that it's open. See, we can, we can use, I want to get on there and, you know, start creating some of these uh, little widgets. They have little things that they call, they've got like a, a robots API, an embed API, and all these different things where you can hook things from, say, your FileMaker database or your FileMaker, you know, PHP API hooked into FileMaker goes into Wave. So that basically the client that you have that is coordinating inventory, the sales rep who happens to be using Google Wave needs to know what the most current inventory stats are. That's in a FileMaker database that they're using it. You've written and the API hooks into FileMaker and they can see that right there without even leaving this collaboration document or whatever they need to send the, the client. It's just... It's awesome. That's killer. It's it's the integration is just that's what's got me so pumped. Hmm. How they are they're it's like they're weaving everything together in a centralized location. So All I know you're going to be able to happening. integrate to the API with a web service. What other FileMaker connection methods do you think there'll be? Well, they're going to be working. They're working off of everything's based on open standards. So their their spec is. Most everything is working with an XML. I mean, you can't get away from XML since it came out. Um, Flex uses XML in terms of its, you know, building features. Building an actual Flex application is XML. XML is RSS. RSS is XML. It's right. all XML. Well, so RDF is going to be, you know, as our web services. <laughs> XML. So yeah, yeah, everything. It's all defined by the structure wrapped around the data. So, okay. totally awesome. You can't tell I'm excited about. No, that. I can't. It's, it's I can't sense any kind of emotion at all in your voice. I'm, my Vulcan, you know my Vulcan training prevents it. <laughs> you know, it's 
funny though? It's not using it that I'm excited about. It's the fact that it sort of it spells out what the future is going to be like. Like I was, I was right, telling my wife, right, right. I cannot even imagine what my son's lives are going to be like 20 years from now. It's like stuff like this actually gives you a glimpse of like, oh my, mm-hmm. are we really headed towards transporters just because we can envision them? <laughs> well, they've actually done tests of transporters, that, but it only works on like the <laughs> nanoparticle scale, you know? Yeah. And they've, they've transported a... Uh, a single particle, uh, you know, three angstroms or something, <laughs> using some technology, but it doesn't really work like a transporter, like you think. But yeah, well, implication is what it's all about with Wave. And actually, I didn't mention it, but the the big thing to me, going back a few topics, Bento for iPhone, as cool as that is, what it, the bigger thing is, it means that FileMaker now is an iPhone application company. So if they'll embrace it and do something for FileMaker. So they have a $50 application available for the Mac called Bento and a $5 application, Bento for iPhone. Is it reasonable to think that they could have a $300 application called FileMaker and a, 30, a $30 application called FileMaker for iPhone? I mean, I don't know. If guessing. I was them, I'd do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if they've got the money, I would totally, I'd say, let's get some PMs on this. Let's spec out this product. Let's outsource the development. Go get this done, boys. Right. So that's a so small implication thing, but the Google Wave is a big implication thing. Oh my gosh! I just—they own information. I don't even want to know what they can do with that. I mean, <laughs> I know it's kind of scary. People trust <sighs> so much stuff to to their Gmail email, run their whole businesses on it. Oh, I know. I, that was a, a little moment that I had. I'm like, what is going to happen when somebody else controls all of other people's information? You can elect to not contribute your information anymore, but everything up to that point, well, it's out there. Yeah. I mean, they, it's... <laughs> they've got it. So, so let's get on to our subject. Which isn't going to be as much of a subject. I mean, this is just a tiny little blip on the, the radar. That's true. Our, but, uh, our main subject was actually really talking about Alpha and Google Wave. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, it was. I wasn't really thinking that the main subject was FileMaker World per se, but basically everything that's going on with regards to the whole social collaboration of the web and how you know the interaction between people is just getting more and more easy. So, quite so FileMakerWorld.com is a website you started in the 1800s, or when did you start it? <laughs> that was. It was. It had to have been like 97. I think the copyright says 95. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was out there, and it was an old, old site. And recently, I just had a, a server crash. The server that I had started on two, in 2003, it was like the disk drive was finally giving up the ghost, and I was like, wow, i got to make a move quick. And so in order to move all of the, a server move is not fun. Nope. It takes a lot of time. Yep. Plus, you got to clean out all the crafts. So I'm like, what am I going to do with this FileMaker world? It was uh, popular back in the day, but you know, it's sort of one of those. And this is one of the things that annoys me about the web. Don't you wish that they had, like, RDF is supposed to be tagging the web? And I've had this vision. I would love for there to be a staleness factor. Basically, it'd be cool if, based on what's on your website, there was a stale ranking based on the type of site it is. If you're if you're continually contributing content, it's right. like okay, this site, you know, is as stale as, you know, a fresh apple. Sure. Not very stale. An, an expiration okay. date. <laughs> yeah. But this this site uh, over here 
well, we're not we're going to classify it differently because it's a business site and it's just a you know it's a brochure website where you need information about the company. Right. So there are some sites that that are it doesn't they don't really get stale because the information is what it is, you know. Right. But this FileMaker World domain that I had, because of the inbound links and the way the SEO works and stuff, it has a page to Google ranking. So it was just sitting there, and that's usually hard to give up. You're like, wow, I, I've got page two. I should keep this site. But if there was a staleness ranking, that thing should have been like stale, crusty, old bread. Right. <laughs> it gets so, I mean, ranked it just above BrianDunning.com, <laughs> above so, FMTouch.com. <laughs> so I, I basically said, "What am I? What what can I do with this?" So since I've been run, uh, doing a lot of Drupal work, I threw it into Drupal, and I just made it a community site. So what happens is, all the old links that are on there, there are companies that don't exist. So when you go onto the website now and you see it, you go under Developers, and there's a Developer main menu link. If you don't have an account, it Right under that, it says login, but then there's find one, meaning a developer, find jobs, user groups, education, whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's a collaboration site. It's pulling in all the different blog feeds. If you have a FileMaker blog, go get an account on FileMaker website and then add your feed. You can add it right after you've got your account. It'll be approved, and then whatever you blog about on your site will be aggregated into this FileMaker world site, and people will be able to find you. It's, um, you actually gave me this idea. You said we were talking about jobs and we were talking about the FileMaker board and find FileMaker developers and, mm -hmm. you know, they're great ideas, but you sort of alluded to, well, there's more job postings on Craigslist for FileMaker than there are in those places just because that's where more people are. Mm -hmm. I integrated all Craigslist feeds for the word keyword FileMaker. Whoa. So if you go to, uh, FileMaker World and you go under, um developers and you do f look for find jobs it's pulling in every hour whatever posts are made to craigslist uh the filemaker uh find filemaker developers monster.com um there's a couple others i'm going to add it's basically just aggregating all filemaker jobs from all the different job sources so it's like a central location for being able to look for these jobs and the find will get better if i if people start to use the site then I'll be motivated to put more features in that I know can be there. If you've got a plugin, you can add a plugin, and all these things will show up instantly as soon as they're moderated. So anybody who's got anything with regards to FileMaker, you know, I encourage them. I'm not doing this just so I can keep this up in a Google right, right, right. ranking. There's like there's no site that I know of where it's just allowing people to put a bunch of stuff up other than a wiki and right. I tried a wiki and the wiki doesn't work it's just like and people want to promote their own stuff well yeah so to put it simply I'd say it sounds like you're describing a totally open filemaker community site owned by everybody right? yes and anybody who if you've got feature suggestions if you want it in there there's a link up at the top that says feedback send it to me it'll get right back to me if you're a drupal developer you know drupal and you want to get involved in helping to manage this site and uh, you want to put cool features in contact me i mean i can only spend so much time because it's a free resource but i mean it's there and the technology for to build a community site behind filemaker is there it's just that the community needs to use it so so what's the website for filemakerworld.com <laughs> FileMakerWorld.com. Oh, do you need the www? <laughs> um, I'm actually I'm thinking about changing that and just making it, but it doesn't is matter a, which one you put in. Is it a backslash or a forward slash? <laughs> <laughs> so, 
that's it's out there. It's uh, it's got blogs, news, plugins, templates, functions. You list it. I mean, whatever you've got, there are people that are hitting it because it does have a Google two ranking. Yep. So you might as well get your stuff up there. Um, currently, the uh, I'd like suggestions anybody who's got them because I know that from a developer standpoint, people are interested in promoting themselves. So when you go to like the developers tab and you click on find one. What it's doing right now is basically doing, uh, it's got a search up at the top, so it'll search all of those, uh, all the developer profiles. Uh, you can, when you click on the profile, if it's already there, you can say, this is me, and then uh, I or somebody else will switch it to you. You can also add it once you've got the account. Uh, I'll eventually show the images, but when you're in there, some of these are old and dead. They need to be cleaned out, but if developers would like to see a different type of listing. One of the things I was thinking of is if, uh, say for example, Excellus, so you just did an interview with them. If they do blog posts on their site, they include the blog feed on FileMaker World. What I can do is I can highlight their company as being a company that recently made posts, and that can be done dynamically on the front page. You can say, okay, Excellus has just made, you know, two new posts to their blog. So it encourages people to, you know, keep posting more information about FileMaker and share it and spread it around by highlighting, you know, their companies so that they eventually get business. Right. So, I don't know, I'm just, it's, it was a dead and dying site and I asked myself what I could do and so I said, here, you know, maybe people will use it. Cool. I'm looking forward so, to playing. Any more stuff before we wrap it up? Uh, not not that I've got. Well, people can contact us at matt at filemakertalk.com. And we'd love to hear from you because we've ho- heard from, like, how many people? I don't know. <laughs> Are you saying it was a very small number or a large number? <laughs> uh, well, we've got, I mean, it's, it's a small, a small community. Number. Yeah. But uh, we've got a, a few people that have uh, sent an email. But... It, what would be really interesting is you're sitting here and you're listening to this podcast. You use FileMaker. You obviously respected us enough to, you know, use your ears to listen to us gab for a half an hour now. So, you know, what is it you're interested in? We're interested to know what you'd like us to talk about. You know, what is it that uh, you want to figure out? So that's all I'd have to say. Awesome. Cool. Well, it was good talking with you. It's we go too long sometimes, but that's because you're traveling. <laughs> that's true. Jealous. <laughs> well, you know, I got the opportunity. I had to take advantage. That's true. I'll uh, talk to you soon. All right. See you later. <laughs>